everybody. Welcome to the Rotoscopers podcast. We are really excited today to be able to talk to an animator and director, Steven Anderson. And Steven, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure. Really exciting. Um, love talking about animation. So yeah, happy to do it. Uh, you are the co-director of uh, the Monsters at Work that is releasing this week. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm one of the one of the two supervising directors on the yes. show. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. We're really excited for it. And but what we like to do on this show is give our guests an opportunity to introduce yourself and tell us how did you get inspired to be, uh, become an animator and director. Yeah. Well. Yeah, so my name is uh, Steve Anderson, and uh, I've been in the animation business for some t- some around thirty years, over thirty years, something. Mm-hmm. I think uh, mainly at Disney for most of those those thirty years, for about twenty six years. And uh, I just I've often thought about the answer to that question of why I became interested in animation because I feel like it's just always been there, and it's just always been a thing that I've been passionate about um mm-hmm. i know for a fact my parents I, I grew up on a strict diet of disney movies for many many years uh until star wars that was my first pg movie but oh, prior yeah. to that i was only allowed to see g-rated movies and of course that meant disney so i uh-huh. so saw lots of disney animation and of course watched looney tunes and the flintstones on tv and there was something about it that just made me want to pick up a a pencil and a, or a you know magic mm-hmm. marker and draw. Um, I'm not quite sure why. It's something about the shapes, yeah. the colors of animation, just sort of the mm-hmm. graphic nature. You know, obviously before computers, everything was was sort of line and shape based, since it was all um, you know for the most part two dimensional. And something about it just really made me want to do that. So um, I love to draw. Um, that made me want to be an animator. Then later. When I became a teenager, I started reading about screenwriting and directing, and that kind of made me interested in a little more of the bigger picture stuff as well, like, mm-hmm. you know, being behind the scenes and kind of shepherding. I always loved doing leadership roles in life, like in Boy Scouts mm-hmm. and school projects, things like that. So the idea of leading a team to make a movie seemed really inspiring to me as well. So kind of pursued those things, moved away from actually being an animator more into being a storyboard artist, uh, particularly when I started at Disney in 95 on Tarzan. I was a storyboard artist on that movie. And then got into more leadership roles um, on uh, Emperor's New Groove and Brother Bear. I was the story supervisor on that. And then got a chance to direct on Meet the Robinsons and and then also the 2000 Winnie the Pooh, uh, excuse me, 2011 Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. Um, And that's where we are today. That led me to Monsters. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, so you've done, it seems like a little bit of everything in animation. I was wondering, what do you think is the hardest job in animation? You know, all the jobs have challenges, obviously. (laughs) That's a good question. I mean, you know, I can only talk from my own experience Mm -hmm. and certainly as a director, uh, I I find it the most rewarding thing I've ever done when I direct projects. Um, but you know, also full of challenges, um, to, to bring a team together, um, to kind of be the person that, you know, um, determines like, okay, here's the goal. Here's the end point of our journey. Here's what we're going to do. Here's the vision that I have for this thing. How can you Mm -hmm. rally everybody around that goal and keep everyone positive, keep everyone motivated, keep everyone inspired. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. 
and, and first and foremost, how can you, what, what, what can you do to eliminate fear from the process? Mm. Um, I find like that's my number one job as a director is to make sure that whatever rooms we're in, whoever happens to be in the, those rooms, whatever decisions we're trying to make, that everybody feels safe and that everybody mm -hmm. can contribute and be part of shaping the piece. It's not just, you know, my ideas and everybody else has to execute those. It's um, the only way you're going to get something really great is if everybody's invested and contributing. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I find that rewarding also a really big challenge. Yeah, I know that's a big priority at Pixar is that, you know, with the brain trust and everything that mm -hmm. everybody is safe to express their feelings on a project. Uh, yeah. So that must be very liberating. It, it, it really is. And, and, and we have the same process um, down at Disney feature animation here in Burbank. Mm -hmm. Same kind of story trust, brain trust yeah, uh, way of working. And then on monsters at work, uh, which was done, which I moved over the, to TV animation to do that. Mm -hmm. um, Bob's Ganaway, our, our um, EP, ran the show very much like uh, that kind of feature process, the Pixar um, Disney features process. We would put our our, our episodes up on, on reels and we would mm -hmm. get back in the room and we would tear them apart and we would all, you know, throw out ideas and, and how can we make it better and then and iterate on those um, episodes as much as we could. We obviously didn't have as much time mm -hmm. as a feature to iterate, but it was great that he, he brought that process to, um, to monsters at work. It really helped us, you know, craft yeah. the episodes, uh, um, um, more than I think it, if it was a, a more of a TV, a typical TV, um, way of working. Yeah. So what was it like co-directing, uh, Winnie the Pooh? It's such a beloved, property that must have been kind of intimidating yeah it kind it's it kind of was uh, it's funny because when when uh uh at the time it was john lassiter when he um talked to me about working on the on woody the pooh i kind of thought oh that'd be that'd be cute that'd be fun i you know i don't think i really have much of a connection to winnie the pooh from my childhood but you know yeah that'd be fun and then the more i thought about it the more i realized Oh, I had, I remember I had Winnie the Pooh jammies and I had a Winnie the Pooh record that I listened to when I would fall asleep. And yeah. I saw those shorts on TV on the wonderful world of Disney um, all the time. And suddenly I realized, oh, oh, and, and my parents, we had the whole set of the original Milne books on our, on our bookshelf at home. And I realized, oh, this is a bigger deal than I thought. So suddenly it became yeah, like you said, it became a bit more daunting. Like we really have a lot to live up to and we have to honor something that has a very classic feel, but we have to make it somehow relevant to an audience of today without ruining it, without, you know, changing it to, to where it isn't what it's supposed to be anymore or what it's supposed to feel like anymore. So that was a really tricky balance of staying in, you know, making it feel like a classic, but also making it feel like something that anybody today would be entertained watching. Um, yeah. But, but I mean, at the end of the day, it was a blast. <laughs> it was one of the most fun projects I think I've ever worked on because I mean, how can you not have fun hanging out with Pooh and Piglet and hundred acre wood? You know, they're just such great characters. Yeah. I really enjoy it. I think it's a really sweet, uh, sweet movie and it's so 
Nice. nice to see a 2D animation from Disney. Uh, you know, yeah. some of the last ones that we got. So I really, I really enjoy watching it. Thanks. I'm glad to hear that. And that was the, the, the 2D aspect of it too. Was was another thing that was really fun because not only is it done in hand drawn animation, the way the Disney Studios back in the 60s treated the material was these are illustrations that are coming to life. You know, you actually see the book open up and you see the, the illustrations on the page start to move and the, the characters interact with the words on the page. That, that was such a neat thing that they brought that the Disney artists brought to, um, to the telling of those stories. And we certainly wanted to do more of that and, as you know, and, and really embrace that idea of what we're looking at, like embrace the 2d of the whole thing, embrace the, hand-drawn feel of it you know see brush strokes see the pencil strokes in the backgrounds um you know see the the uh, it's a, a rougher kind of line around the characters too that you know there's some chattering that goes on there and not be afraid of of saying hey these are this is drawing this is artwork this is you know this, that's what you're seeing up on screen and that was that was really really fun to do mm-hmm. yeah uh, so Monsters of Work, why don't you tell us a little bit about the concept for the show, uh, what we can look forward to? Yeah, well, Monsters at Work uh, takes place literally the day after the end of Monsters, Inc., the, the 2001 um, Pixar feature, Monsters, Inc. So uh, Mike and Sully are now in charge of Monsters, Inc., the world now of Monsters Inc. is switching. It's in a world. It's a time of transition. So they're switching from uh, scare power from the first movie to laugh power. That's been deemed much more. You know, that's 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 what Mike and Sully want to do. Is is particularly Sully is uh, after his adventure with Boo, um, find a new way of of powering Monstropolis. Problem is, uh, laugh power isn't quite as strong as scare power. The other problem is. They've got a, a company full of of monsters that scare and that don't know how to be funny. So Mike Wazowski is teaching is is teaching uh, comedy classes how to be funny, teaching the monsters how to be funny. Into that walks this character named Tyler Tussman, who is the who is top scarer uh, at Monsters University, graduated just graduated, just got a job offer from Monsters Inc to come be a scarer. Walks in that first day. And gets the news that, oh, we're no longer hiring scares. We only want jokesters. And Tyler has no idea how to be funny. So um, as he, while he takes Mike Wazowski's comedy classes to try to learn to be funny, he's placed in the Monsters, Inc. facilities team, or MIFT, as we call them, that are all the way down in the basement and kind of made up of some, like, you know, kooky office comedy type characters and so tyler has to now having just come from the top of his game he's been put all the way down to the bottom and now he has to work his way up to um being number one again and becomes becoming a scare yeah it's a very clever idea for a show i think it's going to be a lot of fun i was curious though how much of mike and solar are we going to see are they going to be kind of minor or are they uh they are like in every episode or um they they definitely have a presence throughout they sort of um 
they kind of carry the the world stakes uh, of the show <clears throat> because they are in charge of Monsters Inc. and they are in charge of powering Monstropolis and they are in charge of getting more monsters trained to be scare uh, excuse me laugh, uh, jokesters and they're in charge of fixing the power outages when their laugh power isn't strong enough then Tyler's story is is the is the heart of the show it's the emotional story uh this this character trying to you know find himself again someone who was on top and now is is doesn't really know who he is anymore and doesn't know how he fit in, fits into the world so those two stories run parallel you have that the heart with being tyler and then you have the the world stakes being um mike and sully very much a, a mix of those two things so mike and sully are, are absolutely their presence is felt throughout all 10 episodes Good. Uh, so you have a new new cast uh, with people like Mindy Kaling, Bonnie Hunt, Gabriel Iglesias. That must have mm-hmm. been uh, really fun to work with uh, the new characters and new voice actors to this to the world of Monsters Inc. Yeah, I can't speak enough good words about our voice cast um, between Ben Feldman and and Mindy Kaling, Henry Winkler, Lucas Neff, Alana Ubach. Um, uh, Gabriel Iglesias for sure. I mean, everybody was just so enthusiastic about being part of the show, and they're all such great collaborators. And it makes it makes our job, you know, that much easier when you have actors that come in and just they're open to play, they're open to reading what's on the page, but then they're also open open to tossing that page into the corner and playing with stuff, ad libbing and improvising and making stuff up in the, in the moment, anything we throw at them, they, uh, you know, they would just grab the ball and run with it. So all amazing performers and amazing collaborators. That's great. Yeah. Uh, so one thing I've always wondered about with the animation, uh, cause it, it does take, uh, so long. I mean, obviously more for a feature film, but, uh, but do you start to get insecure about your jokes? <laughs> Because you've now you've heard them so many times that you're like, is it still funny? Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly. I, I, it's it's like that. You know, if you ever take a word and like take the word ketchup and say the word ketchup over and over and over again, at a certain point, you're like, I don't know what that word means anymore. It kind of yeah. doesn't mean anything. It, I I once knew it to mean tomato paste that I put on a hamburger, but now it's like. It sounds like gibberish. It's exactly very easily um, that that's definitely something that can happen very easily on this process where you see them so many times, um, and not just in uh, you, you know not just in um, when they're animated, but you see them before that in storyboards, different iterations of the storyboards. Prior to that, you see them. You read different iterations of scripts. Once they're animated, and you see them in color. Then you see them when you're doing all the post-production. I mean, you just see the episodes over and over and over throughout the course of, of the production. And yeah, at a certain point you go, do we even have, like, is this just a mix of movement and color and noise on the screen? And yeah. is it going to make any sense? It's very easy to start second guessing yourself, which, which is why it's helpful at, at sort of regular intervals to bring at least one set of fresh eyes into the process, if not multiple sets, so that you can get somebody 
looking at it who who's not who does not have the the weight of that baggage that you have mm -hmm. to be able to say oh yeah that makes sense or i didn't get that joke what were you going for there or you know was i supposed to feel something here because i didn't really um mm -hmm. uh you know that's that's really the most helpful thing and then at a certain point you just cross your fingers and believe in what you did and mm -hmm. put it out there <laughs> yeah um, yeah for sure. So what do you think people will like the most about Monsters at Work would be their favorite? I think the, the, the myth characters, the new, our new cast, I mean, obviously people are going to love seeing Mike and Sully and seeing, you know, Miss Flint and Celia May and, and all of the characters from the first movie being back in that very familiar location of, of the scare floors, which are now laugh floors, just all that familiarity. But I really think the new cast is a very special collection of characters. And I think people are really going to enjoy them. They are quirky. They've got their, they've got their idiosyncrasies, but they're also, they've got really big hearts and they, they Tyler really bonds with this group of, of characters and they become his family. And uh, I think that, I think there's a real sweetness to it, but obviously there's lots of humor as well. Um, but that's my hope is that people are going to just fall in love with, with, uh, with Val and Fritz and Cutter and Duncan. Great. Yeah. Well, we're looking, really looking forward to it. And, uh, it, when does it premiere on Disney plus? Premieres on Disney plus tomorrow, July 7th. And it will be weekly or, or bingeable. Yes, it will be weekly. Um, tomorrow they're dropping the first two episodes to kind of, so there's a, you know, a little bit, uh, more of a story that will you'll get a complete kind of two episode story tomorrow and then uh it will be one episode a week after that great yeah. uh well yeah we'll look forward to it and thanks so much for coming on and talking with us this is great thank you yeah it was a blast i'm really excited for uh launches at work hope you like it yeah i think we will uh, do you have social media or anything like that do you want to share um yeah i'm on instagram um my i'm i'm at steve hat guy S-T-E-V-E-H-A-T-G-U-Y. Um, and that's, I'm on Twitter with the same, the same uh, handle. Great. And we'll have a written version of this interview uh, on Rotoscopers. So make sure to leave your comments of what you think of all the things we talked about and, and what you think of Monsters of Work. We love to hear uh, what you have to say, what the listeners have to say. So thanks so much. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll get to talk again another time. Yeah, um, sounds great. Okay. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>